I want a church girl who go to church. Sing it with me, here we go. It's Batman season, it's Batman season. Oh, come and bring a friend, cause it's Batman season. Batman season, it's Batman season. Oh, come Batman season. Kia ora welcome to another episode of Batman season. Today I have one of my very good friends, Kane, and welcome to the podcast, bro. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming up. Coming up? Yeah, you came from down south. Yeah. Just How an hour's drive just, Oh, just an hour. Wow, that's commitment. Anything for the Lord. So, so after this podcast, we're going to do um, some vision offering for Kane <laughs> um, <laughs> to compensate the gas. If anyone would like to sow a seed into my petrol, that'd be great. Into Kane's ministry. <laughs> How good, bro. Well, hey, we, we met in our first year of university. Yeah. I believe the class was Image and Sound. Wow, you remember the class? I don't, I don't remember. But It was Image and Sound, and we had, um, oh, was it Sarah? Is that her name? Sarah. Our lecturer? I can't remember. Oh, fair. That's all right. That's all right. Um, but in, on our table, we had me, you, Jack, Lucas, and Harry. Really? Yeah. I don't remember, man. I yeah, remember bro. meeting you with um, Luke. Outside, oh, yes. And Luke. And Luke. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was our six people at the table, yeah. and that was the original group chat. Yeah. Now the group chat's grown to 30 people. Yeah, and I, I don't even, like, contribute to the group chat at all. No, nah, I used to be like, hey, um, hey, Ollie, can you please send us your essay to who's yeah. going to Danny Doolin's <laughs> this weekend, you know? That's, that's where the conversation's gone from our group chat. Bro, how, how are you feeling? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I've, like, well, it's been... Maybe two or three years since I've seen you. Yeah, true. Um, but I've been been all good, man. Just working at my videography stuff and totally uh, church ministry as well. So it's been alright. How about you? Like, what have you been up to? Yeah, bro, just nothing. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah. So uh, finished comms. That was a great time. We yeah. missed you at graduation, by the way. Oh yeah. Um, but I you didn't know, graduate, so. Are <laughs> well, you doing some epic stuff? So it doesn't matter. You'll you'll come back. You'll come back. Um, so graduated, still carrying on with the youth work stuff I was doing at uni yeah. um, while we were together, um, serving as um, a youth pastor at a local church here, yeah. and I'm absolutely loving it, and just trying to hustle, you know, some, some photography stuff, um, and trying to see Jesus come to reality through this platform known as Bad Man Season. Me, solid. Yeah, bro, and, um, we're drinking some coffee today, some Chemex coffee. We are, and it's um, beautiful. It's so good, let's t- just take a sip, yeah. Very nice. <laughs> Love to see it. Well, Kanan, um, tell us about yourself, bro. Like, just interpret that as you will. Yeah. Um, well, thanks again for having me. Um, yeah. I am 23 years old. I'm uh, from South Auckland, Rewahad. Rewahad, bro. Rewahad. Come on. Um, what do I do? What would you describe what I do? Well, do you mm. know what I do? I don't know how to... I guess it'd be wait. You're TikTok famous. That's what you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd be considered a, a content creator, um, but I focus in like um, film and video, um, in that space. Uh, I do a bit of comms work, and a bit of like music stuff on the side. But yeah, I guess I do a lot of creative stuff. If that makes sense. Um, born and bred in the church, so twenty three years old. Been in church for twenty three years, and uh, still in church. Um, just actively serving in ministry and, and loving God. Come on. Yeah. But the TikTok famous thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's that going? How many followers do you have on TikTok? Uh, I have 89,400 followers. So, um, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew you were TikTok famous, but I didn't realize yeah, yeah. it was that much. Because to me, TikTok famous is at least 100 followers. Yeah. But um, like, I think 40% of my audience is from uh, America. So wow. I'm not really famous in New Zealand. Um, yes. Oh, well, I mean, it's not it's not something I aspire to do. It's just just happened to happen during happened. the lockdown. True. What um, was that one video that did it? Uh, it was like I made a I made a heartbreak anniversary into a reggae song. Yeah. And then it got like over a million views. Um, but yeah, like that's not I didn't expect it to blow up. And, and then from there, a lot of videos are blown up from there. Man. But so with everything you got going on, so you have your videography. Yeah. You do a bit of photography as well. Yep. Yep. Um, well, not a bit. You do a lot. Um, you got some music stuff. Yep. You got your comm stuff. Yep. You got your TikTok stuff. Um, I guess what does your week look like in the midst of all of that? That's that's I, a hard question. Because so, I feel like everyone's got to stand at forty hours. But yeah. when I see you on TikTok, when I see you on Instagram, and when I, just when I see you work, I'm like, does Kanan sleep? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so every week looks different, but most of the time, if I don't have a shoot, um, I'll be in office mm. um, from about from about nine o'clock. Um, and I'll stay until I'm finished. The hard thing is, is, is that I'm self-employed, so there's no one looking mm. over my shoulder, um, and so it's easy as to muck around. So when I say I'm in the office like for eight hours a day, it doesn't mean I'm working eight hours a day, um, and oftentimes I'll stay up till like 10, 11 p.m., um, making other content that's not... not um, work. Not work, yeah. Like like TikTok content. So. True. That live stream jumped on about a week ago. Oh yes, it yeah, was yeah, midnight, yeah. bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <were> just chilling. <laughs> so I was about to leave the office and I was scrolling through TikTok and I was like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna test out this live stream because I wanted to go live um like eventually, um, right? Like on YouTube regularly, but I was just testing it out. But yeah, so a week looks very different, um, week to week, but even day to day, um, yeah, man, cool, man, and I guess. In the midst of that as well, how did you even get here? What what started the story for you to be where you are right now in regards to your photography, videography? Yeah, uh, funnily, fun, funnily enough, uh, it was actually through church. Wow. Um, and so I think it would have been when I was either 9 or 10 years old, um, I had made, it was Mother's Day, and obviously churches always do like massive things for Mother's yeah. Day and Father's Day. Um, that's another conversation, but um, shout out. So I went around to like all of the um, like kids ministry dudes, well, kids ministry kids, oh, yeah. and filmed like a video, um, like just, it was basic as just them wishing their mums happy Mother's Day. Um, that got played at church, and then from there, I think, um, so my dad's a pastor, I'm a pastor's kid. I think he recognized that, oh, this is something that church could use as like a, a ministry tool or something. And so um, from there, we just sort of, hey, why don't we do a video for uh, Christmas? Or, hey, hey, why don't we do a video for, for Easter? Um, and so from there, I think, yeah, I was like nine, ten years old. Um, did a few uh, of the youth videos. So, yeah, I was ten years old, but doing um, videos for, for the youth rallies and old. youth ministries. Um, and then from there, it's sort of just where it developed. Um, I was put in like an incubator program in, in primary school called the Gifted Kids Program, GKP. And from there, that's where I guess my, like the essentials of videography and filming um, was developed there. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess that's where I am today. Um, wow. I was also serving in, in the music ministry at church. 
from when I was nine years old. Uh, so I was playing guitar. Um, and I guess that's where that's where I am today. It's cool, like that, you know, you can develop you, who, you, who you are in terms of your skills and your yeah. talents through through the church. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my story. That's cool, man. And you're still stuck around. You got your you got your all your hustles going on, but it's all in the heart of worship. Yeah, you, everything you do has stems from um, from this place of worship. Yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, I'm still serving in church, and um, we've scaled back the video stuff a bit. Um, for church, for church. Yep. Yeah, but I'm I'm still actively serving. I I lead the uh, I head the worship ministries at church. So awesome. So um, yeah, still sticking around. Come still, on, still committed to to the Lord and. Yeah, we'd love to see it, man, and, that, and that's so honourable. I think for anyone, I guess, around our age yeah. or younger, to see them so passionate about something that more than just themselves or what's around them yeah. is something that's so beautiful. And I love the fact that um, you know, again, it started here at church, but there's this sense of actually, I want to honour that and still give all I have to this. Yeah, um, which is so cool. That's legit, bro. And I guess before we get into the the main topic of, the, of today. I guess I just want to ask you, uh, what is on your heart right now? You know, whether that be for this, whether that be for videography, whatever it is, bro. What's on your heart? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think for me, and it's probably probably been on my heart for uh, at least five years, five, six years, um, is a pursuit of truth. Wow. Um, whether that be, um, well, it is, it is in terms of a biblical framework, um, pursuing truth. Um, at all costs, and I know we can do that through other 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 means. Um, you know, we can find truth through creativity, uh, through studying the Bible. But I think for me, um, it is that relentless pursuit of, you know, what is right. Yeah. You know, what is God telling me to do? Um, how does God want me to live? And, and that's been on my heart for, for yeah, ever since I left high school, and and I I think I'm still pursuing that. Awesome, bro. That is so cool. Well, I think you and I have a very uh, similar narrative in terms of our upbringing. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, being present in church from a very young age. You said you were 23. Um, but you know what? You were probably um, 23 in nine months <laughs> <laughs> at church, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to um, the, the previous podcast, how he said he was born on Sunday and then... Probably went to church Sunday night. Sunday night, yeah. <laughs> I think that's my story too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out, Jacob. Um and I guess for me, I was two years old when my mum told me that we went to our first church and, um, you know, dad would be present when he could, but he worked seven days and so he'd be there when he could. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the idea that you were part of a church, you, you were part of the furniture, yeah. basically. And I guess what were, the, what were the biggest things, whether that be, you know, good, bad, average, okay, about growing up in church, Man. especially being a pastor's kid? Yeah. You know that that's a really hard question to, to answer. I don't know actually where to start. I I guess, um, in hindsight, or you know, stepping back, it's kind of cool to see that as I've grown as a person, the church has grown with me. Wow. Um, and so I've seen the good side of church, the ugly side of church, the bad side, the good side, um, because church is people, right? The body of Christ are people, and so, um, not only have I grown alongside people. But I've grown myself, and so um, I think it's been interesting. It's an interesting perspective, um, and it's humbling to see, I guess, where church has grown, yeah, or where it's gone to, 
because of your faithfulness as well. Yeah. And it doesn't mean to say God wouldn't have placed someone else there to do what he's called for that season or particular seasons of, of the church's life. But to see, I guess, um, like you leading your church's worship team to see where it's come from, from where it's been. Yeah. And then just so many different other aspects of things that you're passionate about that God's placed in your heart for you to grow and upskill in environments around you. It's so cool to see what has changed because of your faithfulness. Yeah. That's that's so true. And I think, you know, God God honors faithfulness um, in, in our ministry and in serving. And I think um, one of the things I think have been quite challenging, perhaps, is um, just along the lines of truth and pursuing truth is, what is the church supposed to be? You know, what yeah. is the church supposed to um, function as? Why does the church exist? And I think I've, um, growing up in church, those questions have have rung in my head um, throughout my childhood um, because when you're raised, when you're raised in sort of like an echo chamber, we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to do that. Um, that's sort of the, the questions that run through your mind as a, as a young person and especially as a pastor's kid because um, you see your parents doing it but you don't, perhaps see other parents doing that and I think it's it's quite cool now to um to sit in a place of I'm still serving in ministry um I don't hold uh, a resentment or or anything to, to how I was raised as a PK and I think compared to other pastors kids uh, we've had it quite easy um our, our church was very gracious with us as kids and um, not putting um you know those stereotypical yeah. expectations on, on pastors kids are oh, they're supposed to be the holiest of holies and and whatever, it's and if they're the worst kids, then yeah. they make sense, you yeah, know. Yeah. Like. Oh, they're the Lord's kids. Oh, they must be the pastor's kids. But it's it's funny because none of us, like me and my siblings, we never acted out in that way. I, I don't know why. I, I guess maybe it is um, comes down to my parents, you know, raising us quite quite good. And of course, there are like um, uh, pros and cons to being a pastor's kids. Perhaps one of them is that um, my parents were always. Um, willing to serve the people uh, and sometimes at the expense of, of us and and we felt that um, I guess absence but we understood so you know we, we we do understand our parents have a heart for the people and to see people come to to know Christ and so we've grown up with that understanding and we've also adopted that understanding too and I guess that's why um, I'm still serving in ministry too because it's been modeled by my parents that everything we do in church, is, is to see people come unto Christ and to, to see people come to, to know that Jesus loves them, um, to know that Jesus had died for them, and, and to know that um, uh, we can be right standing with him through through his, uh, his um, sacrifice for us. Um, yeah, there's, there's just so much to unpack if, if you want to um, talk about, you know, being raised in church. And totally, man. Well, shout out to your parents. Yeah. You want to say a little message to them? Uh, I love you, mum and dad. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably at church right now, hey? <laughs> It's Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, totally, man. I guess, well, you really touched on some of the challenges, and if there's more, then, then go hard. But mm. I guess within all of it, what were some of the perks? I guess one thing I can think of, not necessarily being a pastor's kid, because yeah. I'm not, um, but I guess being so so close to to leadership is that some of the perks you see is being so close to um to guess people coming in yeah, and people who seem pretty untouchable, but you just get to have a, a genuine conversation with them and get some wisdom and stuff like that. And that's just me. That's something yep. I've felt. Um, but yeah, what were some of the, <laughs> I guess, perks yeah. if there's another better word? Uh, I, I love using the offering money for my, nah, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No, oh, never Sunday used lunch, eh? <laughs> 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 uh, 
you see all my camera equipment? Nah. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Nah. But low key. Though. But you're right. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not low key. We don't t- we don't touch the church's money. Um, but you're right. We have access to a lot of um, uh, conversations with um, a lot of different pastors and other leaders of other churches. Um, what's kind of cool in, in our community is that um, there's a, a thing called the Samoan Pastors Leaders Network. And so all of the Samoan pastors um, around Auckland, Australia and Samoa um, are, are connected and they have this uh, conference that they have every year. So we're, we're quite connected with the other pastors' kids because they come along too. Um, I forgot the question. Oh, like, I guess being a pastor's kid, um, what was some of the cool stuff you got to see? Right, cool stuff, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it, it's that stuff. Um, um, being in, uh, being um, able to be in fellowship with other pastors' kids. Um, but also, I think, for me, I have someone who I can ask a Bible question. Yeah. And um, they'd be able to give me an answer or their, their thoughts or, or interpretation. I'm not too sure if that's, like, um, if other parents have their view. or But that's just, like, you know, I can talk to my dad. Um, and say, what does this verse mean? And he'll he'll have an explanation for it. So I think um, in terms of um, spirituality or, or theology, um, it's been cool to have that kind of access. Um, but also that, you know, um, my parents are both third or fourth generation pastor's kids. Wow. So uh, my dad's dad was a Catholic minister and his dad before him was a Catholic minister. Um, my mom's dad was a, a pastor and his dad before him or, you know, um, the line goes back far, quite far. So um, I guess we have been um, privy to, I guess, um, knowing that we're not alone kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe that's why it's been a bit more easier on us as kids because my parents know what it's like to be a pastor's kid and to have those expectations on them. Um, so um, I guess uh, in terms of, growth or being able to grow in the word we're surrounded by a lot of giants of like faith giants um so yeah I, I don't think there are many other perks i mean you could say that you know we we go to heaps of like lunches and stuff like that yeah. um but no nah, i think it's been i don't know it's quite normal it's hard to talk about perks because it feels just like normal to me well it's just life right yeah 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 and sometimes there's no knowing what the difference is yeah yeah that's the thing i, I don't know if there is perks per se do you think the as you say the the times where it felt like your parents were absent um because of pouring into people that that narrative has correlated to your video work (laughs) being in the office till midnight uh yeah well i I guess so um my parents are also uh they're also um business owners and so you know they've got church on one hand and um then they run a business the other five days of the week, um, they run a, a Samoa multimedia group. Um, they run like a Samoa newspaper and radio. So, yeah, I guess the work ethic has been instilled in me from my parents. Um, and that's not even them saying you have to work hard, but yeah. it's actually me seeing them. You know, they're at church three, four, five times a week, but then they're also at, you know, after we might finish church on Sunday and then my dad would go to work um, Sunday night to, to print the newspaper. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of work ethic I've I've been able to learn um, through seeing my parents work hard and and trying to build foundations um, outside of church. Um, yeah, that's probably not church related though. But yeah, <laughs> well, that's cool though. Um, you know, there's this grace that God's placed on them to to serve a community, but yeah. also do um, 
do things with the gifts that he's placed in front of them. Yeah. And I think I'll, I'll forever come back to this narrative of, of using what's in your hand and to know that what's in your hand is so much more than enough than, yeah. than you'll ever think because God's the one who's placed it there. And I, and I think this, he's gifted them capacity to do so. Yeah. I think, um, and I'm just thinking of it now, one of the things that I think I've had a real privilege in knowing is knowing the gospel quite early, knowing the mm. gospel quite young. Um, and I think that's informed the way that I lived as a child. Um, uh, you know, I knew that Jesus died for me and that he paid the penalty for sin for me and um, that, you know, meeting as a church and, and all of this ministry wasn't so that I could get into heaven, but my parents made it quite clear that um, we do all of this out of, you know, in response to, to God's sacrifice for us and not so that we can, you know, get into heaven. So I think um, having that knowledge quite young has informed my conversations you know, awesome. with, with people. and um, But I think it also separates me from, from a lot of kids because um, I took church quite seriously. Um, I took God quite seriously and I think it was hard to form um, relationships with people because um, church was my world, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, church was my world and... Um, there was this bubble sometimes? Yeah, it yeah. was sort of like a bubble. And so, um, you know, coming to high school, um, I mean, it was even like a... I was at a Christian Christian high school, and so even coming out of there and um, being exposed to the online world, because I do a lot of online stuff, um, it wasn't a culture shock, but it was um, pressing on my heart, and I guess it relates back to, to truth, that um, there are a lot of people who don't know the truth mm. about who Jesus is. There are a lot of people who um, uh, don't know about um, uh, that there's a God that loves them, um, there's a God who died for them, um, and there's a God who wants to see them saved. Um, and, and those were realities that were made um, apparent to me as a young kid um, through my parents. Um, and so in terms of pursuit of truth, uh, growing up in church, I would see kids who are my age, who grew up in church too, but um, didn't know the gospel or didn't know the Bible, or, you know, would, would come to church just because their parents um, came to church or, um, and where I live, uh, church is a cultural thing. And I don't mean like socially cu cultural, but I mean like even ethnically cultural. It's mm. a Samoan thing to go to church. It's a Pacific thing to go to church. Um, and so they would be at church uh, because it's, it's the Samoan way to do things. You know, that's what we do on Sunday. Um, but really my, um, I was made quite aware um, as a young person that, you know, we actually don't come to church just because our families come to church or, or we, we don't um, say we worship God because it's a family response. Um, but it is a personal response to, yeah. to God. Eh? And it is um, a, a personal relationship as we, we, you know, we always say that in, in Christianity. And so that, that pursuit of truth was, uh, is still about how, how do we make everyone realize this, that, you know, church is not just, um, a thing that we do um, believing in God is not a thing that we do um, because everyone has things that they do but if we believe that God um, if we believe that God uh, and if we believe God's word uh, about who he says he is and about who he says we are um, if that's the truth then you know that ought to inform how we live um, and I guess that informs how I live and I would love for, for that to inform um, how other people live, um, especially people who are still in church. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm woke, but it, fe it, it, feel, it sort of feels like 
because church is the expected thing to do or because saying you believe in God is the expected thing to do, um, the pursuit of truth that I feel that I'm on is like, how do I make people realize that it's it's not just a thing, but it is the truth? And that sounds like very like conspiracy theorist or like <laughs> fundamental, but it is about, you know, we can have conversations about, you know, what that looks like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all over the place, but that is a major perk of growing up in church being a, and being a pastor's kid, is being able to recognize what the gospel is, who Jesus is from a very young age, and letting that inform the way that I, I live and, and how I minister to people. Jesus is king, eh? Yeah, Jesus if, is king. If you woke, then wake up. <laughs> if you might just kiss the makeup. <laughs> but actually, even, even the lyric from that album is, um, this ain't a ballad dead religion. Yeah. Jesus brought a revolution. Mm. You know, it wasn't anything necessarily about um about um about rules and regulations, but it was always about relationship. Yeah. And that's the narrative of who Jesus is. You know, he wasn't here to um he wasn't here to make rules. He was here because he was here to make relationship. And I think the idea that um that he didn't come for um behavior reformation. Yes, you said that in the last podcast. You know, he I came for heart that, transformation. Like, yeah. mm. And I just Every time I even think about that, I'm just like, wow, he didn't come to change the way um, I behave. He came to change my heart. Yeah. And then from the heart stems um, stems purpose. From the heart stems what your outward focus and appearance will be like. And mm. I'm like, wow, thank you, Lord, that you're not here to change. Um, I mean, sure, behavior tra- reformation comes from heart transformation. Yeah. Um, the way your behavior will be transformed by the way your heart is transformed and what your outward focus is towards people and how you love them. Yeah, and I think, like, I, I love that line that Jesus didn't come for moral reform because, you know, there are many great teachers in history who came to reform morals. It doesn't mean that they died in, for, on the cross for us and saved us from our sins. Eh? You know, I can think of, um, like, you know, Martin Luther King and um, we could say Gandhi or even any other religious leaders. They all had an aspect of moral reformation, you know, um, being righteous. Um, and, and socially, that's great, you know, but with Jesus... There is a, a divine aspect to it. Eh? There's a God aspect to it. Yeah. And I think that's the, the part that's missing from um, a lot of Christian conversations, that Jesus is not just a good teacher, but he's actually God. Eh? He's somebody yeah. who actually died for our sins and paid that penalty for us on the cross. And the only way to, to everlasting life is through him. Uh, that's you know John 3.16. Amen. Um, and and I, I don't want... Um, people in church, uh, people who've grown up in church, to think that we follow Jesus just because he wants us to, to be good. Yeah. yeah. Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's no one good but my Father in heaven. Um, when someone asks him. So. Jesus spoke straight fire, bro. Come on. Um, you know, I love the idea that you you talk about church, and this is something I've, something I've come to recently, is the idea that church ain't about the building. Yeah. It's not about the structure. It's not about the lights, the production, the auditorium, that that awesome youth room that you know. I hope we get sometime soon. But you know, it's not. It's not about that. Church yeah. is the people. Mm. Church is the community. And, you know, the the word community has three words in it. It's come in unity. Yep. That's the church. <laughs> you know the fact. I like that line. You know the fact that we come in unity for one agenda, for one purpose, for one reason, and that's to give him the praise. Yep. You know, and I love the fact that. I love it when, when mindsets change from actually we need to make a structured service around this time because that's when the most people will come. Well, actually, the most people will come is when they find belonging. Yeah. People will, will come mostly when they find, 
whānau and, and, and when they find community um, in relation to one another for one reason, and that's to, to come together to give him praise for how good he is. Mm. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I think um, we were a small church once, and then we were a big church, and then we were a small church, and then we were a big church, and maybe now we're, we're a medium church. <laughs> um, and we've had smoke machines, and we've had lights. Uh, we don't have a smoke machine anymore, but I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, those things are uh, great to have, but they're not essential, and they're not the church. And, and I think growing up in church, it's important that we recognize that those things don't define who the church is. And uh, um, if we look in the New Testament and see the gathering of believers, you know, they, they gathered, they sang spiritual hymns with one another, they edified one another, um, they broke bread with one another. And so, you know, the model of church now, um, uh, it's great to have TVs and smoke machines, but if we forget, that you know, church exists for the edification of the body. If we forget that church exists uh, for believers to fellowship with one another, if we forget those things, um, then we've lost the heart of the church. You know, um, but even like if we extend that further, as believers, you know, we're we're instructed by Jesus to to go into the world and preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, if we if we lose that as believers, like let's remove church um, from the conversation. Um, we're not operating as Christians if we don't do that, eh? Wow. Um, we're not. We're not um, obeying Jesus if we're not sharing the gospel with um, our neighbors and our friends and our family. Uh, we're not. We're not um, obeying Jesus when when he says that. And so, I think a, a big part of what church is, or at least a gathering of believers, is um, is fulfilling that commandment, eh? To go into the world and and preach the gospel. Um, maybe that's not. That's not the Sunday thing, but it is, you know, the Monday to Saturday thing. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think um, where we're at now in terms of um, our church is sort of trying to come back to the basics, you know. Um, I mean, I, I, I love preaching and um, uh, I love uh, worship um, together as a church. Um, but there are things that perhaps we, we don't need to do anymore that we can, um, you know, not focus on um because the important thing is gathering to worship god together the important thing is preaching and, and listening to to god's word being explained to us um and so um yeah that's where we're, we're at as a church just trying to come back to the main thing which is you know like essentially discipleship you know raising and training and equipping um believers to to be able to be sent out into the world to preach the gospel and so yeah i think that's the focus of our church at the moment, and I think, like you know, that that'd be great if a lot of churches um, came to a realization that uh, uh, free coffee is is not the main thing on Sunday, or you <laughs> know, or, or like cool music in the foyer is not the main thing. I mean, they're great things, but great it's not things. the main thing. And I don't want to dog on um, like mega churches or anything, or you know, churches um, who because, like you said, it is there is a sense of belonging in, in, in those efforts. In churches, there's a sense of belonging and making those things happen and, and trying to make f uh, people feel um, belong, uh, to make people belong so that they have an openness to the word, eh? to, to have an openness to the gospel. But if we if we emphasize the side things and scrap the main thing, then, you know, we're, we're worshiping fellowship as opposed to, you know, what God has called us to do. Um, and I think that's that's a slippery slope that the church is wrestling with now, I, I believe. 
um, you know, winners extra, two extra kind of thing. True, yeah, yeah. I love the fact that you as a as a pastor's kid, but not even a pastor's kid, just someone who's grown up in church for a long time has seen um, the paradigm shift many times over the years. And I guess even in the midst of your childhood, your teenhood, your adulthood, um, is there anything that you felt like that you missed out on because of the way you were brought up, because of the structure of church, because of what was expected of you, because of the status of your parents? Do you feel like in the midst of all that you missed out on something? Uh, yes and no. I think I don't feel like I missed out on anything uh, worthwhile. Um, but I do feel like, um, you know, we always have guest speakers at church and they'll say um, things like, uh, I, I was a drug addict and then I, I murdered someone and then I went to jail and then I found Jesus or, you know, something like horrendous. Um, or, you know, I, I'm trying to think of another example. I was in a gang and um, I did this and this and this. I did all these bad things and then I found Jesus. I don't have that conversion story. Mm. Um, and I think... I, I always think to myself, and it's just a personal thing, like, man, imagine how many people I could reach if, if I had a bad story, if I had a bad man season. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I guess that's just not my testimony. So I that's why I say yes and no, because it's like, uh, um, you know, when you, when you hear someone has gone through something and they find God, it's a really powerful story, yeah. And so I, I think... I don't, I don't envy those people, but I feel like, man, maybe if I, uh, as growing up, I, I, I had a, 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 an idea or a thought like, oh, maybe if I do some bad stuff first, then, then God will use me. But you know, that's a, that's a very warped way of, um, of thinking about, um, your testimony, but I'm thankful for, uh, to God for the testimony that I have now, you know, not everyone is saved like Paul on the road to Damascus, you know, Jesus not everyone's conversion story is um, Jesus appearing and blinding me and then my whole world changes. Um, we see in scripture, you know, some people are just raised in the faith and, and that's my story. Um, and I guess that testimony, being raised in faith and um, still trying to actively pursue God is a testimony that's relevant to this demographic here. Um, so yeah, that, yeah I, don't, I don't think I've missed out on anything that's... Yeah. Um, worthwhile totally i think your story is also my story in that sense yeah. like for me i haven't i haven't been through anything crazy like yeah i wasn't in a gang and and i see our uh, young people and and they're always asking these questions and sometimes you feel like you're not adequate enough to reach them because your story doesn't line up with theirs it's yeah. a completely different wavelength so it, it just doesn't make sense um take this if you want you can have this today here's a little gift but this is this is my my personal testimony and conviction that um, one of my friends was asking me around you know, why are you a Christian? Um, what was your story? And I just said, bro, I've, I haven't been through anything crazy significant for Jesus to need to be my saviour when I first gave my life to him. But my story is that I believe I wasn't saved from something, but I was saved for something. And that's my testimony of obedience to him, being the fact that, sure, I haven't, I haven't been a drug addict. I haven't um, had this crazy conversion story because... He didn't actually take me from something. He saved me for something. And so just my testimony is obedience to him. Yeah. One of the things that I've recognized and I think um, as I've had that thought um, growing up um, is that all sin is equal. And so, you know, I may have not um, been a drug addict or murdered anyone, uh, 
But the Bible says, I haven't had, you know, sex outside of marriage, but the Bible says, uh, Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust, you've already sinned against her in your in your heart. Mm. And so if I, if I think lustfully and someone has sex outside of marriage, we've committed the same sin. And so Jesus didn't die just for your... Um, your big sins, uh, you know, at least socially, they they seem big, but you, also your your sins that you commit internally, and and that's my testimony that, um, Jesus says that you know the wages of sin is death, um, and that's every sin, you know, that's that's your white lie, that's your murder, um, and so, so you know, Jesus is my savior still because I recognize that there's so many things that are wrong internally. Um, and you know we just have a proclivity to, to sin. You know we we do hate people and we do um, think negatively or we do lie, we do steal, um, we do lust. And Jesus still died for us. And and, and that, that's not to um, I guess um, for me it was like that person went through something um, that was visibly sinful. You know culturally sinful or you know socially sinful. And Jesus saved him or her. But you know. The sin that I've committed in my heart or in, in private or things that seem small, you know, like white lies, they're, yeah. they're small, you know. But Jesus still died for that too. Eh? And, and and those sins will still send me to hell. And so Jesus, I'm thankful to Jesus that he has saved me from um, my sin, no matter how small it seems to me, but all sin is uh, worthy of death. And um, yeah, don't mean to sound doom and gloom, but you know, <laughs> I, I st- Jesus has saved me for something. Um, but he still saved me from my own depravity, if that makes totally, sense. Hundred percent. Um, yeah. You know, it's um, it's the idea that you know grace meets you where you're at, mm. and it will never leave you where it found you. You know, it's this beautiful grace, this this transfiguration, transformation story, that when his exchange happened, he paid the price for our lifestyle, yeah. for for our mindset, for our culture. He he died for that, yeah. and I'm just yeah. And whenever I think about the fact that. Jesus was thinking of me yeah. or thinking of, you know, my parents or my friends. I'm like, wow. He was thinking of my mate who doesn't know Jesus yet. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I just, I don't know. There's something, there's just, ah, I can't even explain it. There's just something so beautiful in that narrative that, you know, he died for me. Yeah. And yeah, because he, he sees me. Oh, nah, sorry. I just need to have a little moment because it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ephesians wow. says, you know, we've been saved by grace yeah. through faith. Um, and that it's a, it's a gift, you know. God freely yeah. gives his his gift of salvation to us. Um, yeah, yeah. So I totally understand, bro. I mean, even in scripture, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm. So now I will boast in my weakness. Yeah, I will boast the fact that, you know, I doubt sometimes. I'll boast about the fact that I'm insecure sometimes. I'll boast about the fact that heck, I sin every day. Yeah, you know, but His grace is sufficient. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. You were so good. Yeah. So I guess, bro, just to really re- reel it back home, is there anything that you can say right now to encourage that pastor's kid or that kid who's just been brought up in church for their whole lives that you can encourage them with? Yeah, um, I would really love for, you know, to you who've grown up in church or, you know, your parents are elders or leaders or uh, deacons or even pastors in church um, to really ask yourself, you know, what is this all for? You know, why, why am I in church um, what is church for? Why do I believe in Jesus? Um, because I think, like like we've discussed before, that you know the relationship with Jesus is personal, and um, 
we've got to recognize that you know we're we're not saved um we, we we're not saved um on the backs of our parents you know yeah um, true. you know when we stand before for jesus uh before god and and judgment um when we can't say oh but my parents were you know pastors or, or you know that's that's not our ticket to heaven and um so to really recognize um to, to really ask and ponder um if what I believe is what I believe, or is it, you know, just because a product of how I was raised, um, but also to recognize that you're not alone. Um, this is something that, you know, people who've grown up in church are all, I guess, uh, stuck in or struggling with, um, and some at, uh, progressing at different rates than, than other people, but um, that you're not alone. And these are questions that um, that every every pastor's kid, every every person who's grown up in church is is, is should be thinking about what or is thinking about um one of the things we trap ourselves in as people who've grown up in church is um what's well, easy to trap ourselves in is thinking that um you know i i stack the chairs in the morning or you know i do the the church coffee or i greet people um so that i can go to heaven um you know i, I serve in the worship team so that i can go to heaven or um i go to bible study so that i can go to heaven um uh, but the Bible says that we've been saved by grace through faith and not of anything we can do, right? If 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 we could go to heaven through, um, you know, obeying the law, being a good person, um, we wouldn't make it anyway, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like, um, um, the standard for going to heaven is, is to be um, good, morally upright. Um, but if we lie once, oh, Lay the bolt. We're not going to heaven. <laughs> you know, you know, the wages of sin is death. So one little sin, we're going to heaven. So um, I, I think, you know, the encouragement is don't trick yourself into thinking everything you do at church is so that you can go to heaven. Because it's not, you know. Jesus died on the cross uh, for you and your faith is what saves you. Yeah? Your faith and putting your trust in Jesus is the thing that um, saves you from your own sin and allows you to, to be in right relationship with, um, with God. Um, and that's, uh, I guess, revolutionary if you've grown up in church with that mindset. I don't even think it's taught. Hey, like, no one's telling you you have to stack the chairs so that you can go to heaven, or no one's telling you um, you have to play three songs before the service starts so that you can go to heaven, but it's maybe something that we've um, absorbed or, you know, something that it's a, like a natural progression to, to thinking about everything we do. Oh yeah, I guess I'm doing all of this so that I can go to heaven. But you know, Jesus died once and for all, um, so that you you can't do anything. If that makes sense, if you could go to heaven on your own account, you would never make it anyway. So we have mm. to rest and trust in Jesus' sacrifice for us, um, that He is the only way to uh, to heaven. Jesus says, "No one comes to the Father except through Me. Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life." Um, and so. My yeah, well that's my my encouragement for for church folk. Question what you believe, um, and think: Is this my own faith, or is, am I writing off someone else's faith? Uh, yeah, well, it's a bit of a downer encouragement, but I you know it's <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, it's a good encouragement for everyone, bro. It's just like you know, there's nothing that you could ever do. There's nothing that you could ever say that one could get you into heaven because of your works. Yeah. But actually, there's nothing you could ever do or say that will separate you from the love of God. Yeah. And he is so deeply and madly in love with you that he wants to do this journey with you so that he could be more real in your lives so that salvation isn't just that one moment on a Sunday night or yeah. a Sunday morning or at a camp, but actually salvation is a daily choice. Yeah. 
And so I think that's awesome. And you talked about, you know, stacking chairs earlier. And um, I know for a fact that you're engaged right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. And um, I just wanted to know how many chairs does it take to hold in one, you know, stack <laughs> for a girl at church to want to, you know, fall in love with you? How many books of the Bible are there? Oh, <laughs> So good, bro. 66 books. So, you know, six on one hand and six on the other. Nah, just kidding. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and I guess I really wanted to know, how many chairs were you holding when Dee wanted to marry you? 